We worked in a Western pantomime called The Trail of the Lonesome Pine, a show I put on with my then-agent, Keith Whittall. Keith and I had our own production company, which I originally ran with Malcolm McPhee when we mounted a tour of Under Milkwood. The show lost us money, but Keith replaced Malcolm as director of the company, and we then toured a production of Ray Cooney and Tony Hilton's One for the Pot. This also lost money, but after a number one tour of ten weeks, it had only lost somewhere in the region of £200, so Keith felt sufficiently encouraged to carry on as an impresario and backer. I was doing a pantomime with Malcolm in Doncaster, and playing on a pub jukebox one night was the hit single of Laurel and Hardy singing The Trail of the Lonesome Pine. Ping! Cartoon light bulb over my head. Why not produce a Western pantomime of the same name? Same format as a traditional pantomime. Principal girl, boy, dame, pantomime horse, etc., but set in the Wild West, with Billy the Kid as the villain. When I shared this concept with everyone, I was assured it was a brilliant idea. And when I returned to the southeast and told Keith about it, he was so enthusiastic he immediately began making plans. We decided to tour it during the summer of 1976, hoping to get children in during the school holidays. Then, suddenly, like the bright idea bulb, another sign, a neon warning in my head. Maybe it wasn't such a bright idea after all. Suddenly I was faced with self-doubt. A Western pantomime? An unknown quantity? Would audiences expect more traditional fare? As Keith was financing the production, I suggested that maybe we ought to put on something safer and less costly. I remember trying to persuade him to do a production of Ibsen's Ghosts instead, touring it to university theatres, where we could ask for box office guarantees against loss. But no, Keith was sold on doing a glitzy show with songs and routines and chorus girls in dazzling costumes. The show opened at the Cliffs Pavilion, South End on Sea, and this was one of the few dates where we had negotiated a guaranteed sum, so even though the houses were not remarkable, we were able to cover our costs. But the summer was turning into a scorcher, and few parents wanted to fork out money for their children to sit in a theatre when their offspring were happy to play on the beach for free. It was the plague of Ladybird summer, and we were crucified at the box office and Keith lost a small fortune. It was a shame, because it actually turned out to be a very good show. Audiences, those that came, loved it. Even theatre critics gave it the thumbs up, and we had a good cast. With one exception. Well, there's always one, isn't there? His name was Robin Stewart. He played Sidney James's son in Bless This House, and he was going to partner me as a comedy duo. We were Butch and Sundance, a Western version of the traditional broker's men. Robin was a good-looking young man and had a swagger to match. He liked to talk big, and when someone asked him why he wasn't driving a car on the tour, this elicited a my Merck's got a hairline fracture in the gearbox response, a line I later used in a script. One day, Bernie Higginson, our pit drummer, who used to tour with Wayne Fontana and the Mindbenders, was talking to Warwick and me about Robin, and he suddenly blurted out, The bloke can't act, can't sing, and can't dance. What can he do? He's nothing but a knob end. From that moment on, 
we always referred to Robin as Knob End. Leading the cast as principal boy, we had Johnny Moore, an impressionist from the television show Who Do You Do? He suggested doing a song sheet in the show, which worked brilliantly. Getting six children up onto the stage prior to the finale, he had a table with various hats and props, such as a fez, a berry, and a cane and bowler hat, and the children did impressions of Tommy Cooper or Frag Spencer or Charlie Chaplin. During our third date of the tour, there was not enough money in the box office to pay the cast in cash, and Keith had to send down some cheques. The only person who had a problem with this was Robin Stewart, who protested that it was awkward as he banked with the Bank of Montreal. Johnny Moore gave him a sidelong look.